0: Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets. I am Garyon Thorne, and today's show is brought to you, as it always is, by the good people over at PrizePicks. Head over to prizepicks.com and get your first deposit match bonus of up to $100 when you use the promo code M-M-N-M-L-B. You can remember. It's a mouthful, believe me. But still, nice and easy to remember. Also, if you want to help out the show, please rate and review, and most importantly, subscribe to the audio version of this podcast. Leave us a five-star review, say something nice in the comment section, leave an email or your Twitter address, and you will be put into a draw for $100. You can also do something right now as you're watching this, if you're watching this on YouTube, which probably some of you are, like this video and in the comment section below, tell us who the number one pick in the 2020 MLB fantasy baseball draft should be because for the first time in a long time, that is actually a question that we can have. And that is a debate that we are going to have with my guest, someone I am very excited to talk to Derek Van Riper of the athletic co-host of the rates and barrels podcast. Derek, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on Gary
0: no worries at all and we are talking specifically about your rankings today which everyone can find in full when they subscribe over over at the athletic which you know they should already be doing the athletic is a fantastic website so if you're not doing that somehow please go and subscribe find these full rankings cuz we are only talking about the top 50 today but there's a lot to talk about in the top 50 i assure you and as i alluded to derek for the first time in it feels like 10 years, we have an actual conversation about who the number one pick in the draft should be. And it's not like all those fake years when it was like, oh, Mookie Betts could take over Mike Trout and oh, maybe Jose Altuve should be the number one pick. No, Mike Trout's not even like a guy at the, at the number one pick spot. And I was actually really happy when I saw who your number one was because he's also my number one. And I was getting a little bit scared that I was crazy. So anyway, without burying the lead any longer let's get to your top 10 rankings. Fernando Tatis Jr. comes in at number one, Ronald Acuna at number two, Mike Trout at number three, Mookie Betts at number four, Juan Soto at number five, Christian Yelich at six, Trey Turner at seven, Trevor Story eight, Jose Ramirez nine, and Cody Bellinger rounds out the top 10. I mean, let's just get right to this. How do you go about separating Fernando Tatis and Ronald Acuna?
1: It's really difficult and I would never wanna live off the difference between these two players and their projected values right now. For me, the thing that's different is that Tatis hits the ball a little bit harder. The average exit velocity last season, 95.9 miles per hour. Three and a half miles per hour better than Acuna. And Acuna hits the ball hard. Like, this is not a knock on Ronald Acuna at all. Uh, comparable max EVs as well. I think when you look back at 19 and 20 combined, which is sort of my baseline method for evaluating players, not putting too much stock into the shortened season, uh, you see a three hundred one average for Tatis over the two seasons combined. Two seventy four for Acuna, comparable strikeout rates. But I think when you hit the ball a little harder, the way Tatis has to this point in his career, that gives you that little bit of separation you need. Both these guys are going to have plenty of power. Run production is going to be great. They're both in good lineups, and steals are going to be there too. So. I think you could argue Tatis versus Acuna all day long for the first overall pick. And there probably are legitimately at least seven different players that you could argue your way into yeah. a couple of pitchers actually would be in that conversation as well for that first spot.
0: I mean, it's crazy. Even just, I'm sure when you had Juan Soto at five in your positional rankings, you're like, that seems too low, but <laughs> how could I possibly move him higher? Um, when we talk about Tatis and Acuna, and, and I think you kind of already answered this, but to really just drill it down, Regardless of what projection system you're looking at, whether it be the bat or zips or steamer, it's, it's crazy how near identical their projections for the 2021 season are. It's essentially 35 to 40 home runs, 100 RBI, 100 runs scored, about 25 to 30 stolen bases. And the projection for the batting average is pretty similar, despite what you were just talking about, uh, about 275 to 280. When you go back to last season specifically, and again, how much stock you want to put into that truncated season varies from person to person, it varies from player to player for being completely honest, but there were batting average concerns with Acuna, I think that's the only thing you can talk about and say definitively like that scares me a little bit, you know his XBA was pretty low, just in general his batting average has not been great, even though as you mentioned the strikeout rates between these two players are so similar so Is that the best way to kind of differentiate these guys because they are just so similar everywhere else?
1: I think so. I think Acuna was a little dinged up last year too, about a 50 plate appearance difference during the regular season. I think that could have played a role in the K rate being quite a bit higher. I mean, Tatis struck out 23.7% of the time in 2020. Acuna was at 29.7%. It's hard to imagine drafting a player with a 30% K rate or a near 30% K rate that early, but we're doing it. And Christian Yelich, of course, had a down year, was striking out more than 30% of the time as well, but I still believe in a bounce back from him. So for me, it's the tiny difference between those two players, the swing and miss we saw from Acuna last year and that extra batted ball juice that we've seen from Tatis. I think that gives him actually a slightly higher power ceiling than Acuna has. Uh, And again, I would not want to live off the difference between these two players.
0: Was there ever a version of these rankings that had Mike Trout at number one, just just even like muscle memory where you're like, oh, no, 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 I can't, Because oh. I, I look at Trout and it's so funny when he even talks about being disappointed in himself from last season, because you're like, why? What, what a high standard you have for yourself, sir. But if we've gotten to the point in his career where Mike Trout is even optimistically sitting at 10 to 15 stolen bases, is there even a way that he finishes as the number one overall positional player in fantasy rankings in 2021. If, you know, either of those guys hit their potential, because it it really seems like the path is kind of hard.
1: Yeah, I think the key would be also winning in batting average by 10 or 15 points as well. I was looking at the projections from the bat. The bats got trout at 294. So if that comes through, if he's 10 to 15 points better in batting average than Acuna and Tatis, Maybe both Tatis and Acuna miss a little bit of time with a minor injury. That brings the counting stats down. And then Trout comes through and pops 45 or 50 homers, which I'm not going to say Mike Trout can't do that. Anything's possible. He could be the number one overall player again. And we could be having a conversation like this a year from now, laughing at ourselves saying, why wasn't Mike Trout locked into the number one spot? It's so obvious. If you look at something like Woba, he's still in a class of his own. And the only player who even gets close to the the, uh, Trout projections is Juan Soto. He's the only hitter who I think is as good of a pure hitter as Mike Trout. And both of those guys can get by with 10 or 15 bags and still possibly be the number one overall player if everything else falls into place. I mean, Juan Soto had a 200 WRC plus last season. That is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Whether it's a a shortened season or not, that's absolutely insane that he was a 100% better than league average hitter last season
0: one of the things that I could do last year to just make myself smile was go check out the expected WOBA of Juan Soto last year and just laugh. Just, <laughs> just laugh, because it was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, we could talk about these top five, top six, seven, as you were talking about players all day long, but we won't. Uh, we will move to your 11 to 20 range now in those rankings. Familiar face at 11. That is Bryce Harper. Francisco Lindor, the new New York Met, comes in at number 12. Reigning NL MVP, Freddie Freeman at 13. Alex Bregman at 14. Anthony Rendon at 15. Xander Bogart at 16. Manny Machado at 17. Ozzy Albies at 18. Rafael Devers at 19. And Bo Bichette at 20. Let us talk about Alex Bregman as if people have not done that enough for the past three years. It's such a weird, weird time for the Astros in fantasy. Uh, You know, we saw this probably a lot more last year, but it almost to me feels like people are looking for reasons to dislike some of these guys. And I I will say when it comes to someone like Jose Altuve in 2021, I am a lot more bearish than I am about the sort of just everyone piling on and wanting to get off these Astros players than I am with Bregman, who I I still legitimately feel like going into last year's drafts when he was a second round pick, It felt like crazy value. Now he's a third round pick in a lot of formats. And this is someone who as recently as 2019 was right up there with Mike Trout. He wasn't Mike Trout, but among mortal hitters, he was basically the next best hitter in all of baseball. The power numbers weren't great last season. He struggled with some injuries. He was abysmal in the playoffs, but do you think a lot of the perception of people being down on bregman which you are not with these rankings we should point out do you think a lot of that is just people almost looking for a reason to be down on him because I, I really can't wrap my head around this
1: i think it's a combination of that and his stat cast numbers even when he's good are not great but i think there are some things about stat cast numbers that we're beginning to realize that not everyone's going to pop in those metrics like if you put a ton of balls in play like alex bregman does your average exit velocity is going to suffer because if you're only striking out 10, 12, 15% of the time, you have some poorly hit batted balls that are factoring into those numbers. That's going to lead you to some blue ink or even just some sort of neutral looking indicators on that Statcast box that everybody loves so much. So I think that's playing into this a little bit, but yeah, I think everybody wants to hate the Astros outside of Houston. Uh, I think the key here for Bregman is that the hamstring injury that's been slowing him this spring It looks like that's finally healed up. He should be playing in spring games with two weeks to go before opening day. To me, that's a good sign that he's completely healthy. Uh, The same holds true for Jordan Alvarez, too, coming off of his knee injury. But Bregman, if you go back to 2018 and 2019, third league-wide in WRC+. You're absolutely right. He was in that Mike Trout stratosphere in terms of his overall offensive value. He was tied for seventh in the league in home runs, fourth in runs, and sixth in RBIs. That's all the stuff we care about and here he is falling into the third round of drafts. Uh, One important thing that I I would also throw in there is with my rankings, I try to keep an ADP column next to the rankings so you don't grossly overpay for a player. I've got Bregman ranked like a mid-second round guy. You can get him in the late part of round three. It happens all the time. Him and Anthony Rendon both. I have no idea why the market doesn't like them. I guess there's one more reason aside from the fact that he's an Astro and this, this would overlap Rendon as well. They don't steal bases right. and everybody's so worried about stolen bases early that they're passing on truly elite hitters who, I mean, frankly, Rendon and, and Bregman, they could be just as good as Freddie Freeman and Freddie Freeman carries an ADP in the back of the first round.
0: Yeah. And I think he's someone who, and this is also reflected in your rankings, you're you're paying for last season's production and, and no knock on Freddie Freeman. He is one of the purest hitters we have in baseball, but, like you said, someone who is not gonna give you that fifth statistical category. So it, it is interesting to see the discrepancy here. I mean, I, I look at Bregman and, and obviously one of these players has an ADP that is far different than Bregman. We talk about Bregman falling in value. Uh, Chris Bryant is in a different stratosphere right now. And we, we've talked about Chris Bryant on this show, but I can't help but connect dots between those two players. Just guys who have been elite in their limited time, guys who clearly were affected by injuries last season and had terrible 2020 campaigns but it just seems like paying down at third base is it's it's staring at you in the face and begging you to do it this year so uh we will see how that continues to go uh you mentioned passing up on legitimately good players to get stolen bases i don't think i could have written a better segue in the world to have a conversation about Alberto Mondesi, who is your number 21 player in your rankings. 22 is Tim Anderson, 23 is Kyle Tucker, 24, Starling Marte, 25, Whit Merrifield, George Springer comes in at 26, Marcelo Zuna, 27, Corey Seager, Eloy Jimenez, and Jose Abreu round out your top 30. Mondesi is just one of the most polarizing players we have in fantasy baseball. I mean, I guess someone had to just fill the Billy Hamilton role. Um, and it seems like it's going to be Mondesi, but you know, they're at such a premium steals in, in fantasy baseball nowadays. And he's someone who, again, regardless of the projection system you're using, it just seems like everyone in pen is writing 50 stolen bases. If he can have the amount of plate appearances we think he's going to have. He also, it was a terrible start to 2020. And I can't even believe I'm about to use the time frame I'm about to use because I don't even know what the second half of 2020 was. It it was like third of a season to begin with, but the second half of 2020, he did hit 286, 336, 521 with a 129 WRC plus super small sample of about 120 plate appearances. But we know there is actually some offensive potential in his bat. And I think that's what separates him in my mind from someone like Billy Hamilton, where it was all about the stolen base. You, You didn't even have, an inkling that you were getting any other source of value aside from maybe runs when he was the leadoff hitter in uh, Cincinnati for a little bit there but I, I can see the allure of Mondesi being a league average hitter who can steal you 50 to 60 bases and if he does that if he is a league average hitter how high could his value actually be?
1: He could be a first rounder because he's such an outlier in the stolen base category. I mean, that's that's why people are willing to take him in round two with all of these flaws. But to see, I, I use conditional formatting in my spreadsheets because I'm a nerd and I like to see red and green flags on players. You shouldn't see red flags on top 20 hitters. <laughs> so you get a 237 yeah. projected average, a, a 280 projected OBP, a 292 wOBA. Do you know how far I have to scroll? in my rankings to find another hitter with a sub 300 projected Woba that we care about. I mean, it's well outside the top hundred. I think Jonathan VR, Is that next guy? That makes sense. Yeah. Right. And then we've chased Jonathan VR as an early rounder for years. You mentioned Billy Hamilton. I mean, the key difference is the power. Mondesi has legitimate power. The thing I'm worried about right now, Kansas City's lineup is actually quite a bit better than it was a year ago. They added Andrew Benintendi in the trade. They signed Carlos Santana. I realize it's old, like vampire version of Carlos Santana, but those are two guys that are yeah. yeah, they're gonna hit high in the order and in the heart of the order. So that makes it more difficult for a low OBP player like Mondesi to be higher than seventh or eighth. I mean, they could just say, oh, let's make him a second leadoff guy and put him on in the nine spot, let him run a little bit and wreak havoc while some of our best hitters are up. That could easily be the game plan there. So it just comes down to risk tolerance. And I think for me, the biggest thing with Mondesi You don't have to get 50 steals from one player. You could take someone in that same spot. You could take Tim Anderson or Kyle Tucker or Starling Marte, and you're going to get 20-plus bags from each of those guys, and you're going to get more balance in the other categories. And all you have to do is go out and find another 30 bags with your next few hitters. Like It's not that hard to spread that risk around. And I think you also think about Mondesi. Even if it's going right, if he gets hurt, if he blows out a hammy and is down for a few weeks, if half of your speed is coming from one player, you're now falling out of the lead in that category and you're maybe more mid-pack and you invested so much to have that one category covered. So I do think there's just sort of a a basic construction of a roster problem here, like a portfolio diversification problem where you don't necessarily want all of that speed to come from one guy. So I I get it. I understand why people take them there. I have them a little lower than the field, so I keep missing out.
0: Is it lazy analysis to say he's the obvious compliment second round pick like if you're someone who is picking third or fourth uh, maybe even seventh I guess I've seen this player go as far as that but we were just talking about Mike Trout and, and and the one area where Mike Trout is somewhat limited but the areas where he clearly excels if you get someone like Trout who is one of very few players or even I, I guess Juan Soto is another perfect example of this can you then sort of say like he is the perfect compliment piece to that particular type of first round pick
1: I would agree with that. Yeah, I would say you could pull that off. I would say that works a lot better than if you're picking late in round one and you see like, oh, I want Bryce Harper here. Okay, well, Bryce Harper runs a little but his worst category is probably batting average relative to what else he brings. Harper Mondesi doesn't necessarily work quite as well as Soto Mondesi, at least in, in the case of Soto, you are building in a really nice batting average foundation. And you can still when you talk about the second round, you still have some time to get more high batting average players in the foundation of your roster as well. So I would think about it like that, where if I took one of the first rounders who doesn't run as much, Mondesi might fit a little better on that roster for me.
0: Well, speaking of high batting average players, your number 31 player, DJ Lemahu, Mr. High Batting Average himself, 32, Randy Arena, 33, Luis Robert, 34, Nolan Arenado, Glaber Torres and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. come in after at 35 and 36, JT Real Muto at 37, Aaron Judge, 38, Pete Alonso 39, and Eugenio Suarez. The newly slimmed down Eugenio Suarez at number 40. Just wanted to give him a little shout out. I feel like everyone gives Vladdy the shout out for losing some weight. As Suarez also noted on the best shape of his life list for the 2021 spring training experience let's talk about randy rosarena we almost have to i mean i was joking with you before we started shooting that we've got to just get into the season because i i've started looking at spring training statistics and i don't ever want to be that person but when it comes to randy you just need sample I'm, I'm i'm desperate to find any sort of sample when it comes to randy rosarena i'm not gonna hold it against him that he's three for 17 without an extra base hit so far in the spring who cares? But that's still basically like 10% of the career plate appearances at the major league level we've seen from this guy. And they've all been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. 76 plate appearances during the regular season last year, he was a stud. And then in the playoffs in 86 plate appearances, he turns into Hercules and is just the greatest hitter that has ever been born. So I know it's, it's almost unfair to me, for me to ask this question, but how do you possibly go about figuring out what his value is this season and, and how do you see the projections playing out? Is this someone who is more likely to hit his top 30 projections or is he more likely to hit his bottom 30% projections?
1: You know, I think he's probably more likely to hit his bottom 30% projections, which is probably statistically wrong. I'm sure the, the math people in the audience are like, no, no, no. It's, it's equally likely.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the exact same it, thing. Yeah. It, it just, That's how it projections just, work.
1: It's just so weird to look at this player and say, wow, 76 regular season plate appearances, a fantastic October. And now he belongs inside the first four rounds of drafts. A couple of things that I took into account when I ranked him. One, he was actually a lot better than we realized in the upper levels of the minor leagues. I'm actually yeah. surprised he wasn't a more sleeper list on more podcasts as part of this conversation going I think into 2020. Just
0: take Cardinals prospects and just go like, all right, another one, cool. Yeah, why did they
1: trade him away? They have needs in the outfield. This doesn't make any sense. Their internal evaluation of him is just totally off. But there was power. There was speed. There was a really good eye at the plate. There's been a good eye at the plate pretty much everywhere he's been in the minor leagues, too. So he's not a free swinger. I mean, the 28.9% K rate we saw from him down the stretch with the Rays last season, that's the highest that he's posted at any stop as a pro by a decent margin, too. So I think you have power, you have speed, and you look at the more granular things like max exit velo, like average exit velo, And you feel pretty good about those numbers. And they stack up pretty favorably against Luis Robert, who has a similarly short track record. Most of that, of course, is what we've seen in the upper levels of the minor leagues. Very similar skill set overall. And I would actually argue that Luis Robert has more swing and miss in his game right now. So he brings even more volatility to the table than a Rosa Reina does. Uh, so for me, it's just seeing some of the granular things that actually look pretty good in the underlying numbers. Uh, the other concern, though, with Randy Rosarena that people don't talk about a lot, all of the regular season home runs he's hit so far have come against fastballs. He has to prove he can hit off speed and breaking stuff. We did see him hit, I think, a few breaking balls out in the playoffs. Like he hit one off Grinke, one off Tony Gonsolin. They were hangers. They weren't good breaking balls that he hit out. but. Nevertheless, I think that's the way teams are going to adjust. They're going to pitch him differently than he was pitched in the postseason, and he's going to have to show that he can make the necessary adjustments if he's going to return value as a guy that's really inside the top 60 ADP-wise.
0: Well, it's it's an interesting tier that he's currently going in, and, and, and Lou Bob is is going about 20 picks ahead of all these guys. I, I should make that point. But that outfield tier right before pick 60, you've got – the untapped incredible potential of someone like Randy or you've also just got, you know, George Springer and Aaron judge. I mean, can, can you blame people if they get to that pick? And again, this is all about what you've done with your first three picks as well. That obviously plays a factor into how much risk potential you want to eat with your fourth pick. But can you blame people for just saying like, Oh, I can just get Aaron judge. Why wouldn't I just take Aaron judge?
1: Yeah, I seem to be higher on on Judge than a lot of people at this point. I'm not as worried about the injury history as most people seem to be. The track record is so good on a per plate appearance basis with the power, the run production, the lineup and the park, everything. is just so good around Aaron Judge. I totally get it. Uh, I think the other thing that keeps a Arena where he's going, instead of going after Mondesi, or if if you miss out on Mondesi, like we were talking about before, you're at least getting 20 steals projection from a Arena. So you feel pretty good about your speed base getting a guy like that in the end of round three, beginning of round four, if you're light on speed at that point. So I think that's what kind of separates him from some of the more established hitters below him. Uh, you go to other positions, you know, Pete Alonso and Suarez, who you mentioned, low average mashers. You feel like there's a chance there are more guys like that a bit later. So you go ahead and push a Rosa Arena in that spot and sort of take your chances that one of those guys will fall to your next available pick.
0: Well, let us round out your top 50 rankings here. Michael Conforto comes in at number 41. Jordan Alvarez, 42. JD Martinez, 43. Nelson Cruz, 44. Trent Grisham, 45. Austin Meadows at 46. jean Carlos Stanton at 47. Joan Moncada at 48. Keston Hira at 49. And Brandon Lowe at pick 50. It's, it's very clear there's a tier of player in your rankings. There's a type of player in this cluster. And it's it's fun to even just talk about these guys, but again, 42, Jordan Alvarez, 43, JD Martinez, 44, Nelson Cruz, 47, Giancarlo Stanton. Um, It's weird to me that right <laughs> off the bat, my first thought is, wow, 40-year-old Nelson Cruz has the highest floor of any of those four players. Yeah. Um, When you're trying to differentiate these guys, because right now, by nfbc adp alvarez is going off the board at around pick 75 stanton's going off the board outside the top 110 115 picks so you can get a lot of separation with these four players despite how easy they are to group together you clearly don't see that much of a difference here so is this a case where you would just wait on someone like stanton
1: yeah i'm comfortable if i miss out On Alvarez and Martinez and Cruz Stanton is a great fallback option to have, but generally I'm not at all bothered by having the UT spot filled in the early middle rounds of a draft. I think you're looking at guys that in the case of Alvarez and Martinez, especially are probably 280 hitters with 30 plus home run power and excellent run production. And that to me describes guys that normally go in round two or round three. So we're getting really nice value. We're getting it for a reason. Alvarez with the knee issues for a player, his age, especially, obviously that brings some risk. JD Martinez talked a lot about uh, the impact of not having in-game video last season. Yeah. Fortunately, that's returning in a different form this year that that will be available. So there's, there's no excuse there anymore. So I think we get a bounce back from him as well. Cruz just because of the age has to be the most risky eventually it's going to run out, and he's not going to be the player that he has been. But
0: You say that, but until it happens, I'm not buying it.
1: I don't want to bet against Nelson Cruz. I have him on my teams, it feels like, every single year. But if Alvarez, Martinez, and Cruz are all there, I'm going to go a little bit younger and take one of those other guys instead. If the other two are gone, happily, uh, I'll take Cruz in that spot. Uh, But with Stanton, the key is what I mentioned before. The price is a lot lower than the field here. Do not draft him where I have him ranked. Be excited to draft him closer to where the market has him because he still smokes the ball. Everything we like about Aaron Judge is true about Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, you've got some soft tissue injuries in there that could be chronic in nature, and the Yankees always have some depth so they can give him days off. But he's going to play almost every day so long as he stays healthy and I like they did something different Gary and they, they mixed it up instead of having him just bulk up and bulk up and bulk up they worked on flexibility with him this offseason him and judge which I think could be a good thing because clearly those guys are strong enough to hit the ball out of any ballpark at any time so trying to do something different to prevent injuries to me is something I'm actually pretty excited to see for both of those guys
0: yeah what's the Tom Brady word pliability
1: Pliability. Yeah, uh, they would need would be, be more pliable. Yeah,
0: that, that would be nice to see with both of these gentlemen. Uh, and if you guys want to see more of these rankings, unfortunately we're stopping at 50, but rest assured there are many more rankings uh, that Derek has for you at the athletic. He's got your top 160 starting pitchers. He's got 40 relievers ranked and he's got top 300 positional. So again, go subscribe to the athletic, check out Derek's full rankings. Uh, thank you so much again for taking the time Derek.
1: thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun.
0: And you can also listen to the rates and barrels podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. You can do that right after you go over and subscribe to the fantasy baseball picks and bets iTunes page and leave that five-star review and a very nice comment. Please say nice things about me. I read them. It's a a thing. I get in my own head. It's fine. We don't have to talk about it too much more. Also, go check out prizepicks.com with that promo code, M-M-N-M-L-B. Get your first deposit matched up to $100. Also want to remind you guys that this is going to keep going. We are going to be doing Fantasy baseball content on Mayo Media Network all season long. Once the year gets going, every single day of the week, including Saturday and Sunday, someone, me and a host of other analysts will be doing DFS content every single day. So subscribe to the page. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Do all those good things. I am Gary and Thorne. This was Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets. We'll catch you guys next time.